Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there. My name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Kara Kenish. She is a third generation Tim Hortons franchise owner. How are you doing today, Kara? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your personal story and journey with us here on the Empowerography podcast. I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Well, let's jump right in. So as I, as my, as blah, 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 blah. As I mentioned, <laughs> Cara, you're a third generation Tim Hortons franchise owner who is super passionate about using your platform to make differences in the community to inspire specifically women through leadership and sport. With the franchise growing up, was it just expected or assumed that when you came of age to do so, you would just step into those shoes or that role? You know what? I think that's actually a really funny question. So I really, truly don't know if I had an option, but it's all I've ever wanted to do. I can remember being four years old and sitting in kindergarten with, um, it was like um, a bring your grandparents to school day or something like that. And I can remember my grandfather standing at the front of the classroom talking about how he had been a police officer and how he had left the police force to become a Tim Hortons franchisee. And, you know, he talked about the business and I can remember sitting there cross-legged and knowing that that was exactly what I wanted to do. Wow, that age, really? Yeah, I know. And I don't really have any memories from being that young, but I just, I remember that one. And I, I just have always wanted to be involved with, with this franchise. And that never changed as you were growing up, became a teenager. It never, you never wavered from that want? You know what? Not really. So okay. I think as a teenager, when we started to look into, you know, our career paths, I was a huge athlete. So I, I really entertained the idea of kinesiology and going into sports medicine. Mm-hmm. But even when I looked into that, I still wanted to come back to this business, to this, yeah, to Tim Hortons. Okay. Now, as you just mentioned, you grew up playing sports. So you grew up, grew up playing competitive hockey and judo. How have those skill sets and the lessons you learned as an athlete transferred over and helped you in your career as an entrepreneur? You know what? That's a really great question. And I think that, so when I think about judo, for example, mm-hmm. judo is it's a martial art. It's a very beautiful sport, but very rough and hard. And it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of hard, hard work, really. And then even with hockey, you know, judo is a very individual sport, but hockey is all about teamwork right Right. Mm -hmm. so I think that it's exactly those lessons it's it's the discipline that it took to show up every single day to work hard to you know lose and still get back out there again the next day and then with team sports it was working together as a team and finding those ways to be competitive 
Yeah. Um, so I think those definitely balance and, uh, you know, transfer yeah. skill sets for sure. What drives or motivates and inspires you to keep going and to keep pushing and excelling at all that you do? You know what? I, I thrive on other people's passion and I love so much that Tim Hortons gives me this platform to, to use my voice, to make a difference to, and hopefully I hope that I inspire other people. And I think it's exactly that it's that I get to be everyone that I've ever wanted to be all in kind of one, I, I shouldn't say one place, but it's that energy, that passion that really truly pushes me. And I love it so much. Beautiful. Now you've set the personal goal of helping to inspire other women through leadership and sport to shatter glass ceilings. Why is this goal or mission so personally important to you? I, I believe women have always had a voice. And I think for the first time in a long time, we're really being heard and valued and recognized. And for me, I love hearing these stories of women succeeding and shattering these glass ceilings. I love that phrase so much. And I really just want to be a part of that momentum and to see it continue to keep going. So keeping with this theme, I mean, I'm going to talk a bit more about all of this stuff, women in entrepreneurship and whatnot. And me coming from a corporate background, I've seen, and even now still that mindset and behavior of the old boys club mentality when it comes to things like equal pay for women doing the same job as their male counterparts or women in C-suite level positions in these corporations and these big corporations. And I think it's horrible because this whole mentality is from back in the forties and we're not there anymore. We have far advanced, at least we would think we had. Yeah. I mean, we are starting to see a shift in mindset with a lot more women and women getting into entrepreneurship and taking on, um, more important roles in the corporate world. But what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses? So, you know, I, I kind of look at this in, in so many different levels and mm-hmm. or layers or however you want to say it. And I mean, it's horrid. It's horrid that we're still fighting for this equal recognition and, mm-hmm. you know, the just the positions, you know, I, I don't know the stats, so I'm not going to try to quote them, but like, right. you know, women in C-suite level positions, like that number is so astoundingly low. It's horrible. Yeah. And then also, you know, equal pay, like, why are we still fighting for this? And why is this just not a normal part of every day? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I really, really stand for is just equal opportunity. You know, I I think that in so many, you know, and we can definitely circle back to this, but there's so many things that just equality on every landscape, on every level would make a world of a difference. But so when I think about women and entrepreneurship and women running businesses, you know, I think, first of all, that representation is huge. I think that Uh once we can see that one woman has done it, it's a lot easier for others to follow and to kind of step into their own. It's, you know, on so many levels, right? We think about women in sports, we think about women on so many different platforms. And once you can see see that it has been done and somebody's broken that barrier or boundary, you know, you kind of get that shift where it's like, hey, you know, I can also do this. I am capable of that as well. There's no distinguishing you know, differential. So yeah. So anyways, I know I kind of go all no, it's okay. That's representation. Right. I, yeah, no, I think it's just so much easier to follow. And I think that with all that, we're seeing it a lot more and, you know, maybe it's just today with, you know, the social platforms that we have, but it's so much easier to see that these women are stepping into these roles and it, it's just fabulous. So speaking of which, you yourself are personally seeing a shift in the number of women making the jump, but why do you think that is? What's what's 
propelling that? What's causing that, do you think, in your opinion? You know what, again, and I think that I'm just kind of going to repeat that that last answer, but it's that representation. It's seeing so many people being able to be successful. And I think that, you know, as being an entrepreneur, as being your own employer, your own boss, there's so much freedom at some point. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of headaches and a lot of hard work that goes into that, but For there's sure. so much freedom with it as well. And I think that, you know, as we're seeing that we're able to jump into these rules that we realize, you know, it makes sense for your family life, your personal life, your athletic careers, whatever it is that, you know, your hobbies. So I think that, again, we're just seeing that people can do it and it's easy to follow in footsteps. So how would you say, or what piece of advice would you give other women out there? I mean, how do women continue to push through and continue to break down these insanely ridiculous barriers and ways of thinking? What piece of advice would you impart onto women who are thinking about making the jump, but not quite sure if they should or how to go about doing it? Or what past wisdom would you impart onto them that you've learned? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, I think that to take that leap to to become an entrepreneur, you definitely have to be passionate because Mm -hmm. if it's something that you don't enjoy, if it's something that you're not willing to give yourself over to 100%, you won't succeed because, you know, and you're never an overnight success, right? I hate mm-hmm. that phrase so much yeah. because it's years and years and years of hard work to become an overnight success. So yeah. I think that, you know, it has to be something that you truly are passionate about, something that you truly care about and that you're, you know, you're wanting to see make a difference. And also, I, you know, I was thinking about this or having this conversation uh, with a girlfriend the other day. And I think that as we look at businesses grow and, um, you know, or other avenues, I suppose. It's more, how can you make a difference? And sorry, I know my thoughts jumble, but- No, it's okay. What can you do? You know, what business can you do that's going to be reciprocal, right? How can Mm. you give out to the world that, that the world needs from you, as opposed to just falling into some of these traps that we all get caught up on, you know, I I don't want to say trends because you know, that's not a very fair word. And there's always right. a place and time for those. Yeah. But, you know, something that really the world needs, look into that. What are we lacking in? What are we missing? And see how you can use that to your advantage. Okay. Through the Tim Hortons Foundation, you're also involved in a lot of philanthropic and community work. Was this something you were taught and brought up with while growing up doing this kind of work? Yes, actually. I give my parents a lot of credit. And it's funny because, you know, and until you're an adult and until you can look back and connect all of the dots, I, I don't think I realized that so much. But when I was a child, we were always very involved with the uh, Tim Hortons Foundation. And I can remember my parents, they would arrange back then the, the local camp was up in Perry Sound, you know, kind of northern Ontario. Yeah. And my parents would arrange a bus trip and we'd go up for the night, the weekend, whatever. And I mean, I was a kid, so I got to play, but mm-hmm. uh, my parents and their friends or some of our team members would go and they would do maintenance for the camp to get it ready for the summertime so the kids could come and it would be, you know, all ready for them. They would do the painting and the gardening and the landscaping and kind of all of that just to to give back. But, you know, I have this story and, you know, maybe it's on topic, maybe it's a little bit off, but something that I think for me was a very pivotal moment in my life. Obviously, you know, I'm a third generation, so I've had advantages, maybe the nice way to say it. And I can remember my parents, I, I was maybe 17, 18 at the time. My parents took us on this trip of a lifetime. We did 
you know, we went through London, Dubai, and we ended up in Kenya for an African safari. And, you know, just amazing, amazing holiday. And we got to see so many and experience so many things that I never otherwise would have. But I can remember when we got to Kenya, one of the things my parents said first was, you know, we're going to visit these orphanages. We're going okay. to go and see a side of the world that you've never seen before. Right. And we visited three. And I remember the first one, it was this woman who, she was doing it out of her home. She was teaching the girls, you know, the sewing, cooking, you know, kind of home and home economics yeah. as they grow. And then the boys, you know, their, their maths and more trades, mm-hmm. I guess is the nice way to say it too. But, and they were just, they were children, right? And she right. was doing everything she could. And I, I remember my parents, so they donated to all of these different places that we went to, but we brought supplies and, you know, we took it there and that was the one experience. And then we went to another orphanage and it was for children who had AIDS. And I can remember this one so vividly because I remember talking to the kids and there was a graveyard in the backyard and this place was actually well-funded, but nonetheless, it was well-funded, but there was a graveyard and that hit home so much because these children were talking about their friends and how, you know, their friends were, were buried there. Right. And to me, that just like really that stuck with me all of these years. I could cry actually no thinking about doubt. it. And they had gone from losing, you know, a child uh, a month to a child a year, which is still horrid to even mm-hmm. think that. Yeah. But you know, it was these kind of moments. And, and I'm so sorry, I don't even really remember the third one because I think those ones impacted me the most. But yeah. you know, my parents they took us on this. So to come full circle, sorry, or to bring the story around, they were like, okay, you know, we're going to take you on this amazing holiday and you get to experience so much, but know what other people are, are going through. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I credit my parents so much with that exact moment because it was so pivotal for me. It made a huge impact on how I wanted to be as an adult and mm-hmm. what I wanted to do to give back to the world. And, you know, I, I say that I'd like to change the world in a positive way, or I hope to. So yeah, so there's that. And then to, again, you know, building, I think at 15, I was helping to build our local Tim Hortons camp. I can remember planting trees, but Mm -hmm. putting out like bird feeders and kind of all of that long before it was even a camp. So yes, I guess really long story short, I, yeah, I was brought up that way for sure. (laughs) And that it's those experiences though, that definitely helped define me. Well, lessons in gratitude and appreciation, right? For, for what you have and the others that don't have it as lucky as we do here. And those are incredible lessons and kudos to your parents for, for teaching you these types of things. It's so important. So with mm-hmm. this work you're doing now, where you are now in your life, why is this work so personally important to you doing things like this? Actually, so again, uh, another little story. In Tim Hortons, back you know when I was a child, there was always a week at the end of the summer where parents or, you know, Tim Hortons owners were allowed to send their children to camp. Obviously we paid our way, but we got to go experience camp just with everyone else. You know, Mm -hmm. we were just another camper. And so I, I really got to experience everything that the Tim Hortons foundation had to offer, but the lessons I learned in those days, you know, I was able to challenge myself in a safe environment. I, I was allowed to push my boundaries, test my limits. You know, I was 
a fearless child. And I can remember at the camp out in Kananaska, we were mountain climbing. I'd never done that before. And it was a safe space. Beside us was the some of the military from uh-huh. the United Kingdom. And they were, you know, practicing their ropes and, and doing all of that. And I can remember, I think I was probably 12 years old and I flew up this mountain. Once I figured out how to, to actually climb the rocks, it was uh-huh. just like I had it and I was done. And again, that goes to being fearless and being an athlete. You know, these military personnel were just so impressed with this little kid. And they were like, okay, well, we dare you to climb upside down and go back down. So I just looked at them and I was like, all right. And I did exactly that. But it's, you know, moments like that, that I got to really test my limits and push my boundaries and all again in a, in a safe environment. And I, I really believe so much that I credit the woman I am today because of those lessons and because of those moments. And I'm just, again, it's such a huge believer in equal opportunity. So mm-hmm. If that was my experience and I credit so much of who I am as an adult to those moments, I I really think that everyone should have that. So, you know, the work is important to me and I I try to help create those opportunities for other people. I love it. Can you speak to us a little bit about some of the initiatives you are or have been part of? And is there any one initiative in particular that really sticks out for you or means the most to you to participate in? Yes, absolutely. So it's hard to narrow it down to, you know, the one that stands out the most. I think that I've actually had a pretty incredible couple of years, despite the pandemic, I think that I, I've really done some pretty cool things. So I, I don't know if you know this, but I was nominated for a 100 Women of Inspiration with the United Women's Network in Canada. Wow. And to me, that was so incredible and such an honor. And uh, so I have a little feature. They put out a book just last month, actually. And, uh, you know, I have a feature in it. And it's 100 Women of Inspiration. And to see my name alongside all of these incredible inspirational people is for me just like wow like you know it's almost surreal because how do I have a place among these people and you know I I still I'm giddy talking about it because I still can't really believe it but so like you know that's one big thing and I was also nominated for a, a leadership award a woman of inspiration so I don't find out if I've won that yet until I think next month but I think, you know, if I'm going to highlight the pandemic, something that I thought was really, really cool. So I was chosen to represent Tim Horton with our Barbie campaign. So we had two Barbies. One of them was Sarah Nurse and one was MPP. So uh, Marie-Philippe Moulin, she's the captain of Team Canada. Uh Awesome, awesome. Both of them, awesome, awesome women. Yeah. Uh, So I was chosen to represent Tim Horton on behalf of this Barbie campaign. And I got to present both of these women with their own one-of-a-kind Barbie. And to me, that was so amazing because I look up to these women. I think that they're so incredible. Barbie is such a huge thing. And uh, the one-of-a-kind Barbie campaign, there's only, or there had been only 50 dolls ever given out to represent people. Mm-hmm. And uh, three of them are Canadian, right? So wow. I just did two of that. And that was so awesome. But at the same time, I got to share my my hockey story. I got to share my story with hopefully girls around, you know, around the country. And I think that there was something so powerful and so amazing in all of that. So, you know, I could go on. I think that I've done some pretty cool things and that, you know, I've participated in some really cool things. But that is pretty you know, phenomenal. Stand out anyways. No doubt. That's yeah, amazing. Thank you. Now, you've said that love everything your life throws your way follow that little voice that guides you towards the things that 
make you feel alive and never give up. So how do you personally live by or follow this mantra and how has living by and following this enriched your life personally? So I love this so much. I truly, that little voice, so intuition, I live by her. I I really, truly think that, you know, we we all have good days. We all have bad days. We have these moments where you just, you feel lost. You feel like you, you know, you're on the wrong path. You know, there are days, I mean, we're all human. There are Mm -hmm. definitely days that I question, question my choices, question how hard things can be. And I'm like, you know, you want to be tempted to give up. But, and I think at the end of the day, you know, I say that little voice and to follow it because, you know, she'll never steer you wrong. And it's that gut feeling. It's that, really well actually really truly just that that gut feeling and she'll let you know when something feels wrong or Mm -hmm. when you are on that right path and I really have been following that so much but to come back to the love everything life throws your way again you know we all face so many challenges and obstacles and so many things can go right and wrong and Mm -hmm. I think that even those and I shouldn't say wrong because I I don't even know that I believe in that word but love it because there's always a an opportunity for growth. There's always an opportunity for learning and to change your perspective and to find another course. Like just because something didn't work out doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It's truly pushing you onto, I believe, very strongly something better. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, where that intuition comes into it as well. But by living by this mantra, I really feel, you know, I feel that it pulls me out of slumps. I feel that it pulls me out of those kind of moments where I'm doubting and questioning. And again, I'm not saying that I I even listen to her 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. That would, you know, that would well, be a we're, we're human. Yeah. But, well, we're human. Exactly. But um, yeah, no, I think that if we could just all listen to that little inner voice a little bit more and just appreciate everything life throws your way, you know, for exactly what it is. I mean, yeah. you know, there are things that people face and that I face and everyone has that, you know, really sometimes we wish we didn't. And there's no positive situation that can come out of that. And again, that's just the human experience. But I think that, you know, there are quite a few things that we can just overcome by having that that mindset. For sure. Mindset um, is key. Yeah. To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? A greatest win. So I'm going to put this one to Smile Cookie. So Smile Cookie is a campaign that Tim Hortons does for anybody who doesn't really know. We support over 550 local charities. And I'm very fortunate where I get to choose my own, just based on where my location is, I get to choose my own recipient for my Smile Cookie money. So for one week, we sell these cookies with smiley faces on them. And we obviously the goal is to sell as many as possible and you're raising money for your recipients, right? But a couple of years ago, my restaurant decided that we wanted to sell the most in Canada. We wanted to sell more than anybody and, you know, have the biggest check to give to our recipients. And I am so proud of this because I've taken second and third, but it was an opportunity for myself, my leadership team, my my team members, my community, and for the recipients as well. So the last couple of years, I've worked with Empowerment Squared, and they um, are such an amazing organization, and they helped out so much with this campaign. But I love this one so much because it was just a perfect example of everyone coming together, my community. I had hockey teams reaching out where they wanted to do it as like team bonding and team team building because it was giving back. And honestly, like I love this so much because it's hard work. It sucks. That that week I have smile cookie nightmares. Those are a real thing. <laughs> Just saying. You're exhausted because we're working around the clock. We are 
so busy, so crazy, because again, we're baking every single cookie and we are decorating every single cookie. Right. And uh, the most we have done in one week was 36,000 cookies. So Holy you can imagine um, that is literally, yeah, right. <laughs> that is literally baking around the clock and decorating around the clock. And, uh, you know, there are days where you just, you don't really sleep. I think this year I had one day that was a 19 hour day. Wow. And yeah, I was just like, by the end of the week, it's like, okay, like, do I sleep? Can I sleep? Is this even possible? <laughs> but I love it so much because again, it's just like on so many levels, it's everyone coming together. And again, I think I, I said this in one of uh, our first questions. I thrive so much on other people's passion and energy. I'm very much an extrovert. And I think that moments like this, when people come together, just make me so happy and fuel, fuel my intentions, fuel my passion for giving mm -hmm. back for, you know, helping to change and challenge that status quo. Because again, Smile Cookie, I think in the past, we only ever used to do maybe 2,500, 3,000 cookies. Wow. And that was a huge number, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. then, so I had this competition with a, a local Tim Hortons in Dunville and we challenged him and together, I definitely have to give them credit. But uh, I think together, we really raised the bar and we challenged that status quo. So again, that representation, when I said that people can, once people see that it can be done, others yeah. follow. Yeah. And, you know, I think across the country, like we've set new records the last couple of years as, as a country for how much we've raised. I think we did over $12 million this year. That is last phenomenal. year was 10.4 million. And the year before that was only like seven. So if we're doing all of this, it's just, yeah. Anyway, constantly it, that improving. Me, right. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. What do you think mm -hmm. your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? You know what? I really believe for me that I find the positive in every situation, no matter, again, probably 95% of the time, not every single time, but that is huge. It's such a pillar because, or it's such a superpower, actually. I like that word so much. I, I would love to be Wonder Woman. So a superpower <laughs> is totally my thing. But like, I, I wish I could channel her, right? She's my alter ego, but... <laughs> Right. But no, finding the positive, because if you can look at most situations, again, as a learning experience or something to grow by or something that's not necessarily going to define you, then I think that, you know, you throw positivity out into the world and it generally comes back. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that when we can add that together, that, you know, that just that mindset, that frame of mind, it, it changes the way we perceive things and then it changes opportunities that come up. So, sure. Yeah, I, I'm For totally sure. going to credit that with sure. um, okay with my success. Yeah. And so speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? Again, it's funny because I, I was having this conversation with a, a group of girls really, really recently. And I was really amazed to hear all the different ways we all define success. So it really challenged me to think of how I personally define it. And I think that, you know, I am so ambitious and I want to achieve so much in life. And I really feel that for me to consider my my life, everything that I do as success is to know that I have given it my all 100% effort all the time so that when I, you know, go to sleep at the end of the day, I know that I can go to sleep and rest easy knowing that I have given everything in my power to make these goals and dreams and visions a reality. 
So for me, that would be my personal success. Beautiful. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self, Cara? Okay. So perfect world. And I kind of laugh because when I feel my best self, it's like I've, I've woken up, I've done all of the things I want to do in the morning and I'm out socializing with people. So you can understand how much this pandemic really affected me. Right. So I think that in a perfect world, I would absolutely, you know, I'd wake up, I'd have my morning coffee, which I've always struggled with a a shitty part of my language, a bad morning routine, because I'm in the coffee industry, you know, I help everyone else set up their day for success, but mine gets pushed to the back burner. But when I'm, you know, I've had that time to just sit down and enjoy my coffee, to go for a run, to walk my dogs, you know, I, I thrive in nature, I love, love, love being in the forest. And when I get to do that in the morning, and then go through my day, making an impact in whatever capacity that is, whether it's with my team in the restaurant, whether it's, you know, the philanthropy that I do or my athletic. I think that when I'm in places where I feel other people's passion and other people's energy, you know, I'm always inspired to do better. And I always feel like I'm showing up better. It's um, and, and it's funny because I, it really is though. And I love that you said that because yeah, it's exactly that. It's infectious and it just makes me happy. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? You know what? I learned how to be alone. So I don't know if we've, we've had this conversation or not, but I went through a really shitty divorce. Kind of, it was sudden. It was something that I didn't see coming and it just, you know, life as I knew it just flipped upside down and kind of over. But for me, because I'm such an extrovert and I'm such a people person, it took a lot for me to learn how to just sit back and be on my own and be okay with it. This is actually really, really stupid, but I'm that girl. I was afraid of the dark until Uh like a couple of years ago. Like I hated it. I hated the dark. And, you know, I always made my husband, he was the last, like, he would turn off the lights downstairs before, <laughs> like, and I would run upstairs, right? Like, right. Just little things. But, like, learning to be alone, to be okay in my space. Now, one of my favorite things to do in the world is, you know, I, I take myself on dates. I go out for dinner, and I have a glass of wine, and I take my book, and I love it so much. And I feel that there's such a freedom in, and, and sorry, I've always been, just to reiterate, I've always been very independent, but I suppose never like this. And being okay in my own skin, in my own space, and just like being able to do whatever I want without having to have plans or, you know, depend on anyone else in whatever capacity. Yeah, it's the night and day. I I feel like there's a whole new world and a whole new life to experience once Mm -hmm. you become okay with these kind of steps. It takes a lot for some people. Yeah. It takes a lot for some people to learn to be okay with being alone because they're so used to not being alone. So it's, it's a huge adjustment. So kudos to you for learning to be okay with that and, and accepting it. Thank you. If you could set I mean, up, a, it wasn't easy, but no, of course. Well, any, any self work is not easy for sure. I mean, it, it all starts with self. The foundation for everything is self. So you got to be willing to put in the work and do it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it and what would it say? <laughs> so a billboard anywhere. I, I'm going to say Times Square in New York City mm-hmm. because I love New York. And just the energy that is situated in that square is yeah. incredible. As for what it would say, you know, there's a quote. I think it's Walt Disney, but it's just keep moving forward. And, you know, that's all it is. And I think, honestly, if I was to do that, I would just put up a big keep moving forward probably with my signature like lipstick kiss or something like that because (laughs) I have to put my own little trademark on it of course right but yeah no I think it would be that because I think there's so much 
strength in just those three words. Yeah. You know, we can get through anything if we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward. For sure. What would you say is one of your biggest failures or life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? I don't really like the word failure because yeah. I think that we have opportunity to look at everything from, you know, multiple angles. That's but right. I'm going to say life lessons, teachable mm-hmm. moments is kind of perfect. Yeah. So this past year, I very much want to build my Tim Hortons empire, right? I have one restaurant right now and I would like multiple. Right. And I was building a second one. So it's a project that we've been working on for five years. Okay. And it was supposed to be built actually probably right around now. And just this past spring, Tim Hortons retracted from the location. It it no longer made sense. And the pandemic, I think, gave everyone an opportunity to step back and to reevaluate and to, you know, just, again, take the time to to make sure that because the world isn't going to be the same. Like whatever we come out of this or whenever we're out of this, it's not going to be the same. So anyway, Tim Hortons retracted. So I lost a lot of money. I had put five years of effort into it. But not only that, I think for me, it was part of my goal that I had been working so hard towards. And then again, it was just taken away just like that, right? One email, one phone call. And it was like, okay, those, that project, those hopes, those dreams were dashed. And, you know, I was devastated. I I cried a little bit over it. I was just like, oh my gosh, because I, you know, once you have years down the tubes yeah absolutely and and again like it was a significant investment as well Mm -hmm. and you know it really but i think what i learned from it was that a life goes on but Mm -hmm. b you know okay things don't always make sense anymore and sometimes like do i I believe very much that now that location wouldn't have made sense it probably would have um, cannibalized my other location cannibalized uh, by taking away like other sales right Right. so i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily know that we would have made a lot more i think it just would have kind of taken away because now sorry just to reiterate the pandemic the traffic is different the the flow of people is different so that site wouldn't have really made sense today and i can only look at that looking back and connecting those dots but in the moment you know i i couldn't really see it i just saw it as this goal being washed away and i and i was so upset so yeah so my learnings are really truly just that you know sometimes things happen because like for a really good reason and there's always going to be a new opportunity and a new path to follow sure 100% you just got to keep that positivity going it's all it all comes down <laughs> to mindset as hard as it is mm-hmm. at times it's not easy but you have to otherwise you get sucked down a very dark and deep rabbit hole and that's not good for anybody. So no, it's definitely not. No, definitely. Sorry. I, no, I no, just want to okay. say like your rabbit hole, like the rabbit hole is such a great example and analogy because once you go down that path, it, it's really hard to find your way back out. That's right. So. 100%. What are you most proud of? Oh my goodness. What am I most proud of? When I was 18, I had this vision of what grown up adult Kara was going to look like it. And, you know, I never wanted to veer from that path. So I think that after this divorce, it really gave me the opportunity to re not not reevaluate who I am, but to realign myself with that vision because the woman I am today is so much based on that. But I am very, very proud of myself for taking advantage of a really shitty situation mm-hmm. and turning it around to my advantage to really truly become the woman that I've always wanted to become like, you know, and and maybe this sounds, I don't know if it sounds conceited or not. I don't really care, but I am so proud of who I am. I think that I've accomplished some pretty amazing things. I've overcome some pretty incredible feats and I am very proud of me and just who I am today. 
And so you should be. That's not conceited at all. You should be proud of your accomplishments and what you've managed to do. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that at all. We all should feel that way. We should should all feel pride when it comes to ourselves and celebrating those small wins and the big wins and all the wins that we have in our lives. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's good. Mm -hmm. What is the most recent investment you've made in yourself? So I have a coach. This woman is phenomenal. I've been talking to her for five years actually Mm -hmm. now. So she is my leadership coach. We talk business, we talk personal, kind of whatever I need her for. But honestly, so again, because I consider myself an athlete, so I'm by no means a good athlete anymore. But growing up, obviously I did amazing things with my athletics, right? right? Having a coach. So I had a coach for judo, I had a coach for hockey, I had a coach for running, so on and so forth. So to me, it only made sense for me to have a coach when it came to my business and Mm -hmm. to my goals and my ambitions. And honestly, I credit her with so much. She's a phenomenal person, but she has helped me find clarity in so many different situations and just She's challenged me to overcome these obstacles and these barriers, and she's pushed me outside of my comfort zone. She's my biggest cheerleader, but at the same time, she's my, not not a critic, but just like my biggest pusher. Account- right? Accountability she, coach. She, yeah, actually, thank you for saying that. Yeah, exactly that, an accountability coach, but she holds me to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm being a baby. She's like, Cara, step it up. Like, come on. <laughs> but yeah, so honestly, and, and that's quite the investment. And I think that, yeah, I credit her with so much of that. And I really, truly believe, uh, and actually maybe this goes back to one of our, our previous um, questions, but what people can do with entrepreneurship and before they consider a business. But I think that having a coach would be probably one of my top recommendations. So we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here now. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three forward answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Passionate. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Ooh, determination adventurous and compassionate. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Be your own biggest cheerleader. That's a good one and important for sure. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Love. I'm a hopeless romantic. (laughs) If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Equal opportunity. I, I think that that's the big thing that I stand for. If you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? I love this one. It's on my email. I'll take on the world dot, dot, dot after my morning coffee. (laughs) I love it. Entrepreneur life is? Exhausting. (laughs) What's your favorite entrepreneurial book? I love The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. That concludes a rapid fire. Not necessarily entrepreneurial. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say not necessarily entrepreneurial, but kind of it still fits in there for sure. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? So again, I think passion. If if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then there's no point. Determination, because there's a lot of good days, bad days, hard days exhausting days and uh, you need to be able to get through that and dedication to your goal because again nothing happens overnight what is the most entrepreneurial thing about you i think my leadership i i think that i am considered a disruptor in my industry and in my business and i think that i challenge that status quo and i like to lead others to do the same i love that word disruptor i love it (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing you wish you had known when you started your entrepreneurial journey? 
You know what, that one's a little bit harder for me to answer, I think, because I'm in the business that I was born into and grew up with. So I don't feel that I really had a start to my yeah. career. I think it's just always been kind of in my life. Yeah, I think family business is hard. I wish I knew that as much as I do now. And I say that because we work really well together, but there are so many good days and bad days, but also it's really hard to differentiate between out of office days and in office days, especially in a 24 seven business, uh, everything kind of overlaps and, you know, we'll be sitting at the dinner table or Christmas and we're talking business and we'll be at the restaurant speaking about Christmas, right? Like yeah, it, yeah. we don't have that defining line. Right, right. What does the word empowerment mean to you? You know what? I think to help someone find their personal power. I think that we are all capable of so much once we know where our personal power lies. What do you do to keep yourself inspired every day and to inspire others? So I'm a big reader. I'm an avid reader. So I always find inspiration in my books. But again... Mm -hmm in people, but it's those little everyday things. I'm very much a stop and smell the roses kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And I love nothing more than, you know, just like a pretty, this sounds so ridiculous, a pretty leaf. Like right now the colors are so amazing. It's fall or, you know, just like the sunrise, the sunset, all of these everyday miracles, you know, I am very much inspired by the beauty in our everyday world. And I think that to inspire others, I don't know. I I want to just put out so much good into the world. And I hope that just by doing some of the things I'm doing, that that will also inspire others to do some pretty cool things. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Okay. So I think best version of me, again, because I have such big goals and big aspirations. When I close my eyes, I just, I want to have accomplished all of these goals and ambitions and traveled and, you know, seen so much of the world. And I want to just be able to see myself like old and looking back on a life well lived. It's an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for. My divorce. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, again, and I think that because I'm so aligned with the woman that I've always wanted to be. And I mean, I'm not ready to forgive and forget or anything like that. That's not even kind of where I'm going with this. But it gave me the opportunity to, again, really define who I am and to become who I am. And I really am thankful for it. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? I see 1111. I'm very much that person that Mm -hmm. believes in signs from the universe. And I make every single day. So I feel like I see it all the time. And I make these goals or I make these wishes, I Mm -hmm. suppose is the best way to say it. So the only thing I can think of is to say like what my wishes are. And to me, they mean so much because they're obviously the things that I want in life. And I so much, obviously, like I said, I'm a hopeless romantic. So every day I wish for love because who doesn't? Yeah. I wish for my Tim Hortons empire. So I I want that empire, but I I know that I'm going to do so many amazing things. I just have no idea what they are yet. So I wish for this other empire. I'm going to call it, I'm just going to call it other because I I really don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um, So I wish for that. I wish to be a change maker in this world. I really want to make a difference and make an impact and leave a legacy behind. And again, I don't know what that legacy is necessarily right now, but I want to know that I've made an impact in this world. So yeah, I I think that that would be all I have for that question. That's pretty incredible. uh, There's nothing like having impact on other people's lives or another human's life. It's an amazing feeling when you can do that and make change in the world. It's, It's like winning the lottery. Yeah, no, you're right. 
Thank you for saying that. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Younger self, really, truly to never give up. I don't think I ever have given up, but I think there were many, many days where obviously we want to and where everything is just hard and challenging. And I think that to know that we will always get through it and you can only connect the dots looking backwards, never forward. I think if younger Kara knew that, we would have made other choices and, you know, other choices and just maybe gotten through challenging moments a little bit easier. Lastly, Kara, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? Ooh, so I think it would be very much, you know, gratitude for a life well lived. It would be along the lines, a, a big believer in gratitude and for finding, you know, the, that positivity, right? So I don't necessarily know what the 30 seconds would sound like, but if I'm going to picture it as though it's my last 30 seconds and kind of I'm leaving this earth and mm-hmm. it would be very much thankful for the opportunities that I've had again hopefully that uh, this legacy that I've created and knowing that I lived every day to my fullest and challenged everything that I could yeah I'm so sorry I I, I feel that there would be so much to say mm-hmm. and uh, at the end of the day what I can just circle on and, and center to is just this gratitude for a life well lived I love that so much. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Cara, for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your own personal story and journey with us here on the Empowerography Podcast. I appreciate you taking and making the time to be here. And I wish you all the luck in the world moving forward with your mission of helping women and shattering glass ceilings and all of that amazing stuff and building your Tim Hortons empire. I have no doubt you will hit that. So thank you so much. I appreciate you and I appreciate you taking the time to be here. It has been such an honor. This was truly incredible. And thank you as well. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast today. My guest was Kara Kenish. She is a third generation Tim Hortons franchise owner. Thanks so much, Cara. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too. Take care, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.